Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at this, uh, whatever the British word for rodeo is. And joining me, as always, is uh, my co-host, Miss Annie Bommel. I, I don't think the British have rodeos. That's kind of an American thing. Though, um, I don't know. I, I was thinking Circus? the running of the bulls might sort of count, but that's Spanish. Anyway, I don't know. It's been a long week, y'all. That's all I got. I mean, you're lucky that I made it through the intro at one piece that time. Because here's a spoiler of the beauty of live uh, live entertainment. I didn't the first time, so <laughs> she just straight up vapor. She just straight up vapor locked on me. I was like, um, are you okay? You know, it's just it's it's the end of January, and I think I think I th- the January is always the hardest month, which is sucks since it's my birthday month, but it's also just the hardest month always. It is. Um, happy birthday to Annie Bundle, by the way. Aw, thanks. But January is canonically the month like with the highest levels of, I think, depression in the population. Yep. So if you are struggling this January, no, you are not alone. So what are we talking about today? In keeping with the most depressing time of the year, um, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to do another installment of our Classics Revisited series. This one is a listener request. And I'm sorry in advance for how much I really forgot that I don't particularly like this adaptation, but it is the 2005 BBC production of Charles Dickens's Bleak House. It is basically considered like the definitive version of Bleak House, um, for the record, even though there's actually a couple of different TV serials. Um, they did one in like the 1950s back in like, you know, when when, when TV was new. And then there was a, there's another one they did in like 1985. Um, I don't remember if that one. I don't I don't I, I'm pretty sure the 1985 one came over on Masterpiece Theater. I doubt the uh, the 1950s one did. Uh, I will I will in an attempt to make sure that I do at least say something nice about the show. I will read you a little of the email that we got requesting that we do this. And it is from Meanwhile who says uh, that her all-time favorite period drama is This Bleak House, and it is the only one she has the DVD for, and says, I absolutely love the story because it feels timeless. It, It feels as timeless as ever. The love story, the mystery, the plot twists, the themes of poverty, redemption, and finding meaning and purpose in life. The story of John Jarndyce and Jarndyce still rings true in our modern day life. So, um, the thing about uh, this version of Bleak House is that it ran, I believe, is fifteen episodes um, back in the uh, back in the day on the BBC as uh, as as half. Yeah, hour. they were half hour yeah. serials, and I'm assuming they were meant to sort of mimic the fact that Charles Dickens is a man that got paid by the word, so he wrote really long piecemeal stories that appeared as literal serials in uh in the paper yeah. basically the um the uh critics actually like didn't like the format when it first came out and it was sort of defended as you know well this is how dickens actually released it when they when he did it you know all those years ago um dickens is another i know we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Macbeth a couple of weeks ago but like dickens is another person that like we nowadays really look at as sort of this like highbrow elitist thing but again not so much like this was this was for the people who were buying like a you know like a broadsheet every week to read the latest installment in whatever 
of his stories was going on at the time. It was like soap operas, but written down. Yeah. Um, you know, and he he's the thing is, is that Dickens is one of those people who is really, really, really famous for one of his stories. And that's the Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. Um, but actually, like he's done he, he has so many others like i remember my parents owned the entire works of charles dickens and like there's like the pickwick papers and of course there's david copperfield which is another you know seri- another series that, uh another adaptation that bbc took the series you know there's a tale of two cities which everybody talks about and remembers the beginning of but never actually seems to have a have a read um oliver twist which everybody knows the musical but i don't actually know if people really read um yeah so it it, he you know he's a little bit on the shakespeare world where like he is considered one of the greatest british writers um it also doesn't help that most of his works are massive like because i'm not kidding the man got paid by the word so it's long these things are so long yeah um I, I, Bleak House is definitely a long story. Like the original, ooh, ooh. the original actual like story was twenty was twenty serials. It's huge. I remember trying to read it um because I liked A Christmas Carol when I was a kid and all of the books were in in the house. So I literally picked it up when I was like eight or nine and attempted to read it. And uh, yeah, um, I didn't get it very much <laughs> at the time. Um, I I forgot a lot. Like a lot, and I was like, "Oh, uh, because when we were when we were sort of like making our list of like the the uh, checking it twice and and deciding what like sort of air quotes classic stuff we wanted to watch this quarter and this year and this forever, this was I think the first Dickens adaptation we mentioned, and it turns out it's because the only thing I remember about it is how good Gillian Anderson is at it. I had literally forgotten virtually everything else. Well, the thing about it, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I had watched X-Files for years and years in the 90s. And this was basically the first thing I ever saw Gillian Anderson that was in that wasn't the X-Files and where she's actually like uses a British accent. I know she's born in Chicago, but she like basically was raised in London. So even though she's technically American, she's basically a British actress. She's you know, one of those. Uh, this this actress is secretly American, I guess. Um, but this was the first thing I ever saw her in as a, as a, as kind of a British period actor. And I remember falling madly in love with her in this role um, at the time. I, I just remember that it was the first thing that I really saw her in that wasn't uh, the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't her being Dana Scully. And it was such a departure. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, both in terms of the characters, but also the performance. This performance is so, like like pulled inward and kind of scrunched into itself and like it's very it's done kind of in the margins of like very small movements and gasps and like her lip is quivering kind of things and it was such a different it was like the range she has basically yeah um so the actual book when i went back and tried to read it again as an adult one of the things that sort of got me when i read it was that it was supposed to be satire and that when i was eight i did not get that in the slightest i just was like why is he going on and on about this total boring legal case jarndyce versus jarndyce like i do not get this and you know Reading it now, I, I know our reader said it, you know, the Jarndyce versus Jarndyce thing is timeless. And on some level, I get that. But also... I mean, I get it in the sense of our court system is currently a mess still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... I had to Google chancery. Mm. 
Uh, um, because basically the backbone of the story, for those of you who have also blocked out much of the plot of Bleak House, <laughs> revolves around a... Uh, uh, <laughs> And it's really just not one of uh, I apologies to our to Minwa who who thinks who, who thinks so highly of this narrative setup because I'm just like oh okay this is not exactly I've seen ghosts with clanging chains in the hallway it's literally like Law and Order sort of but like Law and Order tax documents or something <laughs> it's around a a very long go long long going ongoing a long standing that's the word I want a court case that's been going on for what appears to be several generations now, trying to determine the rightful heir of an estate that has been uh, disputed by multiple parties. There are, like, competing wills, and nobody seems to know, like, which will supersedes the other will, which, given how it resolves itself by Bill Davis finding a piece of paper in his, like, junk shop is eye-rolling, but whatever. Um, And it's basically, like, people have, have, have... bankrupted their lives against like the cliffs of this court case of trying to find a way to get to a judgment because apparently the case should be like the the estate and inheritance and everything should be enough to set somebody up pretty nicely for life if they can ever like get to the money but for whatever reason it just keeps banging around in the court systems and nobody's getting their money and except for the lawyers who are basically like siphoning them dry um, and and that sort of and, and I guess that is the timeless aspect. But the thing is, is that the court of chancery is not a thing that we have today in in America or in or really in, in England. Like this whole thing about like wills and so forth is really sort of not a thing in the same way that it was. I mean, at the time when Dickens wrote this um, in the 1850s. Uh, this was a real thing. Like he actually, I, I believe he actually said that there were real cases that this was based on. Um, and I get that, but it's not something that we get today. And the satire of it is sort of, you know, one of the things about you know Jane Austen being satirical is that her her, her satire is on relationships and social mores, and that's timeless. This is this doesn't feel as timeless in that same way. And I feel like there's a lot of the the humor that's lost in in this in the, especially in the show version. Yeah, the definition, by the way, I just Googled it again, of chancery is in process of litigation in a court of equity in an awkward or helpless situation. So it's sort of like the endless spiral. It's like I can see like, I mean, I'm Southern. People where I'm from fight over estates a lot. It's not new. But usually like there is a resolution at some point. And the the wheel of this series is that there has been... No relief, no re- resolution. Nobody has gotten anything out of this. People have lost fortunes. People have lost like their minds. And, and now here come these very like bright-eyed Carrie Mulligan and Richard Harrington. Uh, I believe it's Richard Harrington. No, no, yeah, not I don't Richard know. There's literally like so many people. Sorry. In the- we're gonna do like a whole rundown of like people you've seen before that are in the show. But Ada and Rick are their names. Yeah, no, it's Patrick Kennedy who plays Richard Carstone. That's what I was. And Carrie Mulligan plays Ada Clare. And they are they are next in line as wards of Jarndyce, mm-hmm. and who is played by Dennis Lawson. And I kept staring at him, trying to figure out like why I recognized him. And then I finally Googled him. And do you know who he is? Wedge Antilles. 
what the original Star Wars Wedge Antilles. Oh, that means nothing to me. Then. Okay, well, for Star Wars nerds, that is like the 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 ultimate nobody remembers that character character that everybody remembers, sort of like Boba Fett. Oh. He's like the good guy's version of Boba Fett. And okay. like it, he he's like famous for being that kind of person for being that character. Anyway, um so yeah, this um this is such a who's who of actors. Like, it's kind of, like, I, I spent the entire time I was watching it staring at the characters going, who? Wh- where have I Where have I seen that guy? Wh- I know that guy, right? Like, every single one. And I don't just mean, like, like, like of course, we've all I te- seen. I texted, I texted Annie at one point being like, hey, is this girl um, Daisy from Down Abbey? And she's like, no, it's Molly from Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Molly from Sherlock. I had to look it up, though. Um, like, you know, because I have to tell you that my favorite, like, random part of the show is the girl whose job it is to, um, pick up Phil Davis's character who is in a wheelchair, and his name is like Mister Smallwood, and just sort of vigorously shake him <laughs> every so often. Yeah, and it's just it's so incredibly strange and unintentionally hilarious. Is like my favorite thing. Um, I, I, I believe that that she's the granddaughter, or 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 something to that effect. Or I, I'm pretty sure she's. I'm not. I'm pretty sure she's younger than the daughter. Maybe she's like a niece. I don't know. Anyway, it's um. At, at least is like a relation, and not like a strange. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a relation <laughs> of some kind. Um, the other I can't I can't get over, it, and I know this is Dickens, and it's a thing, but it's like really bad. Here is just like the ridiculous names that these people have like <laughs> lady deadlock mr tolkinghorn bucket guppy i was like I, there's like terpy rome or something like a skimple terpy grove i don't even <laughs> i mean dickens is no i mean for Snorlax. god for, for god's sakes there's the pickwick papers of course this is what dickens did but at the same time like small weed woodcourt like it's a uh, it, it's just yeah, it's um, it's a little hard to to take seriously. I mean, at least the Nemo one like makes sense because it's supposed to be a Latin like nickname of no one kind of thing. Um, um, let's see. So, I I know that you were were not pleased with I um, and the thing is, is that it's not that I can't recognize that like the acting in this is is top notch and and there are compelling elements to the story like i loved esther and ada's friendship um i actually really loved esther and mr jarndyce together and i was super mad that they didn't get married um i thought they were so cute but i honestly like this did not this could have been five hours max and it would have been better would have been so much better. Um. Okay. So this is where I the first version I ever saw of this was six hours. The original cut that PBS brought over, not the masterpiece cut. The masterpiece cut is eight hours. It's fifteen episodes all smashed together into two, 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 in order to make like uh, to in order to make eight hours of television. Um. But the original cut that came over here like directly was not ma- was not under the masterpiece brand it was actually just a direct import by PBS and they cut it down to 6 hours I mean yeah like there's just there's just so much and i get for and, and the thing is is that like the, i know there are people who are purists about this i am a purist about other authors and works of literature so i there are certainly books that i love that if they did a eight hour version of them i'd be like woo living my best life but 
I, Dickens is not one of those people for me. And like I said, the man got paid by the word. But um, like, I just feel like this, you could have just shaved off so much of this. And it wouldn't have impacted anything. It would have actually made the rest of the story tighter. I am... Um... I also, uh, the other thing about this that really gets me is, you know, when I sort of, I, I went through and I counted how many characters there are. And there are like a ludicrous amount of characters in this cast. Like it's somewhere like getting on for like 50, char- 50 named characters in this show. Um, you're re- you, you said something to the effect of an adaptation's job is to cut down. I mean, kind of it is like, I, th- I do think adaptation is... um. I do think adaptation is a skill. Do you know what I mean? I think there is in in me. I feel like we've talked about a lot of adaptations lately. So I feel like maybe I've said this before. And if I have, I'm sorry. But, you know, I think it is a skill to take something that works in one format and turn it to another format that still makes it compelling for the format you're translating it into rather than doing kind of like a like a sort of a shot by shot remake of the order of the things that happen in the book. I think there are just I I don't think we need it. Like this feels very much to me like a shot for shot thing that is happening in the book. But the thing is they cut so much of Are you serious? I'm serious. There are like 30 Wait, the 8 hours is the cut version? Yes, there are 30 no. odd char- minor characters in the book. Well, cuz I'm just trying to think of all the all the little weird subplots that don't like like if you just wanted if you just want to be like the overarching thing is Jarndyce and Jarndyce and then we we put in, you know, Rick and Ada and Esther and nice Mr. Jarndyce and then Lady Deadlock and her surprisingly nice husband. Yeah. Um like all of that is enough for a show. Like I didn't need all the the it was just a very long segment when that child was dying and i was like this is good not to be like not to be like oh no a child dead oh, is Joe? dead it's a subject for humor but he took so long to die <laughs> yeah i'm a monster i'm a monster i'm sorry no no you're not because the thing is is that like yeah they they could have cut a lot of that but this is their way of staying faithful to the book because the thing is is so much of that other minor stuff that did get sort of swept away is the stuff you forget was there like, I didn't need all that stuff with, like, dude, Mr. Guppy, can you just maybe take the hint the first time you asked her to marry oh, you poor, and Nolly the third time? Gorman. I, well, here's the other thing, though, is that I'm like, I don't trust him just because he's played by Burn Gorman. <laughs> and I realize that's not poor Mr. Guppy's fault, but that is so Burn Gorman has a long history of playing untrustworthy men. It's true. Um, but oh my gosh, he was such a baby in this. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, there's such a baby. In this. Okay. So I actually, like, was Googling around for website for, like, you know, like a character breakdown of this because I was like, there's too many characters. I need help. I actually found the original BBC.co.uk, like, web 1.0 site for this show which also by the way has a web 1.0 site for north and south and jane Eyre, um both Aww. of which amused me highly because it feels like i have been quite it feels like we have been quietly following their 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 defunct website without realizing it <laughs> i mean that's okay like the other thing is too is that i look at sort of the length of this and and I remembered something you said when we talked about Jane Eyre and you were like, oh, they don't make them like this anymore. They don't really make them like this anymore either nope. because like this ain't nobody got the budget to do eight hours of Dickens. Well, I mean, OK, so 
um, I had to cover the the Harry Potter twentieth anniversary um special that that aired on uh, HBO Max. The I am of- very intrigued to see how this gets back to Dickens. By the way, because he was discovered in David Copperfield. That's where they originally. That's literally where they saw Daniel Radcliffe. They saw him in David Copperfield, which star he star he co-starred along with Maggie Smith, and the director was literally watching it because Maggie Smith was in it, and he saw and he saw Daniel Radcliffe, and he went, "Oh my God, that kid! That there he is! Oh my God, get him! Find his parents!" Right? Like that was literally like how they discovered Daniel Radcliffe. Um, and I, because I was sort of inspired to go look and see that that adaptation um i was i i kind of had i kind of went and watched that first before i watched this so this didn't sort i think if i'd gone into this cold and i literally had not watched uh bbc dickens since whenever this came out you know in the last at least a decade if not more i feel like this would have been a bigger shock but they did a bunch of these right around this time might have, it might have been like maybe it was a Dickens anniversary in there somewhere. Yeah, like they, they did a bunch of these adaptations that all sort of fit this same sort of style. Yeah, this the, I double checked that I I double checked that I wasn't making this up. This uh version is from 2005. Yes, and the Dickens and 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 the David Copperfield was from like 2009. So it's the same. It's the same sort of five year period. They did a bunch of these at the time, and they were really popular, and they were really thorough. And they were they they all had this look to them. They had this kind of what we would call Dickensian look. Like it was it was as it was as old fashioned as they could physically make it, in a way that I feel like you just don't quite get anymore. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the things I've been watching along with this is uh the Gilded Age. Mm, yeah. Which is, you know, it it's New York. It's 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 a little later, and it's it's more like eighteen eighties. But it just doesn't look like this. <laughs> yeah, like the sun exists. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a whole, it's a <laughs> don't whole do that. Um, but yeah, like I I'm, I I just they wow, just Annie is really like struggling right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they they just it, it, you're right. They don't make them like that anymore. This is another one of those shows that was put out of that was put out to pasture after Downton Abbey came through and blew everything out of the water well it also to me feels like it feels a little bit uh like a like a required reading list version if you mean if you get what I mean because it's very like it's very traditional Mm -hmm. it's very long it's very tick all the boxes except for apparently the other 30 characters that aren't in it (laughs) but you know it feels a little bit like a like a like this is TV to eat your vegetables with kind of thing, as opposed to like TV that's meant as entertainment. And I know that lots of people love this kind of TV, but I'm just talking in a, in sort of like a broadcast sense. Like you don't make this show for millions of people to watch it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of the way that I feel about and it because it's funny because you feel like because it's Dickens, you have to treat it with a certain sort of like reverence for the material. But if you like look at the actual sort of story elements of the narrative, this is like ridiculous melodrama. And if you had some fun with it, we'd all be happier. I'm sorry, Lady Honoria, Honor, uh, Honoria, Lady Deadlock. I can't say her name. Uh, Lady Deadlock literally wanders around in the rain and dies. <laughs> She dies of exposure, which is a very nice way of hypothermia. After like a day? <laughs> it's been a day. Let, 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 okay, just, just, just. 
let, let's talk about Jackie and Yellow Jackets, all right? People can die I in mean, a day. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a day in a park where she's been wandering around with a shawl, whatever. Um, it's because, like, that's 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 melodrama okay but but the show plays it so straight because we think that dickens is very serious like i don't know how many people have seen the um the personal history of david copperfield the one that came out last year year before that what is time really recently oh, it came Patel. out it came out in 20 it actually i believe it came out in 2020 during the pandemic i think it went straight to streaming yeah, I think it finally made it into streaming maybe towards the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021. Anyway, it's really like it's Dickens, but it's really colorful, like loud, fun Dickens versus this, which is none of those things, but feels like it has to be serious because it's Dickens. It's the way some people approach Shakespeare. And I just think it's really like unimaginative. Well, OK, so um, let, let's actually talk a little bit about the BBC and how the BBC really has in their charter that they are supposed to do vegetables. Well, I know I'm not I'm, I'm not like slamming them for that. I'm just well, I guess I am a little, but I'm just saying that that's like that's sort of the attitude that this production has. No, no. And I and I agree. But I wonder, you know, one of the things that's happening across the pond as we as those who have been following know is that they are they are talking about pulling the licensing fees of the BBC and basically like killing their funding. And I wonder if the fact that they that that Downton Abbey sort of upended the 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 tendency to do this kind of stuff is actually part of the problem, and that if they were still pumping out these 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 they don't make them like that anymore, you know, vegetable television, if Johnson would have a lot harder time doing this, because I think it is something where you look at it and you think, well, that's like. That's not entertainment. That's television. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not um, popcorn fair, mm-hmm. even though I mean, it's it, it's still entertaining. It's too long. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I, la- I, I have to say I laughed when Charles Dance died. <laughs> um, I know that man is cursed. <laughs> it partly. I, and yes, it was a little bit of the, the, the Game of Thrones bit that made me laugh. But also I just like it startled me so much that I burst out laughing. <laughs> And I knew it was supposed to happen, too. Like, I knew he got murdered. I just forgot. And then suddenly it happened and I was laughing. Nope. I totally I totally forgot if I ever even knew. I don't remember. I probably knew and just forgot. But I mean, honestly, like the, the who's who level of this, too, is also sort of the vegetableness of it. Um, I mean, Carrie Mulligan was, you know, not a what not a big name at that point. She got big later but like you have alan armstrong in there you have uh you have phil davies you have um richard harrington plays alan woodcourt the one she marries and he's from he he was in poldark that's um though i had to sort of look i mean up- anna, Ma- anna maxwell martin has been in so much stuff since then obviously jillian anderson is like killing it now and mm-hmm. charles dance and yeah, I, I mean, honestly, poor Burn Gorman, who I do really love. Uh, Anne Reed, isn't that Anne yes, Reed? Yes, that is Anne Reed, who shows up. And I actually, because I'd watched because uh, I'd watched the Sanditon screener, I was like, hey, uh, like, yes, everybody is in this thing. OK, like everybody. Richard Griffith is in this thing. There was one character that I stared at for like five minutes going, who? I, I know. I know her. I know her. I know her. And then I realized it was freaking Catherine Tate. Right. Like. They're- oh my gosh and she's only in it for like two seconds right and like i literally paused the television and stared at her i got it from her profile um 
But yeah, she's literally in it for like two seconds. Yeah, Timothy West is the really nice husband of Gillian Anderson. Like the just the, just the sheer amount of names in this thing, right? Like it is a who's who of the A list of the time, um, and of the up and comers of the time, right? Like I, 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 I mean, honestly, like that is also sort of the vegetableness of this, and that's also something that the BBC doesn't quite do anymore. You don't get quite this same sort of let's gather every single Maylister and like line them up and hand them costumes and and tell them it's 1850 and go. <laughs> right? Like you just, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly not. I, I, and I actually like, the thing is, is that to me right now, that sounds correct, but I don't know if in 2005, like, there's so many of these people that I don't know if they were people yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, that they were names? Well, no. I mean, like, okay, okay. So, um, I, 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 Alan Armstrong literally was uh, the, the original Thenardier on, in Les Mis. Like, the original, he's the guy who literally, like, started that, that, that role. Um, uh, Charles Dance had been a huge person since like the Jewel in the Crown in the eighties. Um, so no, these were like my some of them. No, like you're right. Carrie Mulligan, Anna Maxwell Martin were not, but they were sort of the next generation, and they were basically discoveries that sort of were were catapulted out of this. Anne Reed was a big name at that point, you know. Um, 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 uh, Phil Davies was a big name at that point, like the. Yeah, Burn Gorman was well known at that point. Like this is, this is a really. I mean, for God's sakes, Gillian Anderson was famous as famous could be because of X Files. Okay. Yeah. So 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 <laughs> yes, this is this is that kind of thing, and I I I kind of almost wish the BBC did still make them like this, but not quite like this. If that makes any sense, I do kind of enjoy this sort of vegetable programming. Uh, for for what it's worth like i know you were like oh my god this could have been five hours at max but i honestly didn't mind just sort of i i i watched all eight episodes while i was sort of working on other things and i just had it sitting there and it was just calming and nice and 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 from a and yes from another time period but like a soothing one it was a bit, a bit <laughs> no it was a bit like all creatures that way like it not quite the way i that, definitely um yeah. i definitely had to have the subtitles on just oh. because there were so many people and i couldn't keep track of like half of their names and i are like there's just sort of like a, a middle section of sort of vaguely grubby looking men <laughs> that are doing vaguely nefarious seeming things <laughs> and i had no idea which one was which so i was like i had to watch the subtitles to try to figure out who was doing stuff <laughs> well i always have subtitles on because i'm slightly deaf but um i and honestly i just sort of have them on because i just like them um i guess i like to read while i watch television i'm weird um but yeah i um i i will say there are a lot of characters and there's a lot of them where the names did not register um, like I, I, I don't actually know what Sir Deadlock's for, first name is. Like I don't know. Oh, it's like Lewis or Lucius or I think it's a. No, never mind. He's li- yeah. No, never mind. 
Yeah, no, like, honestly, like, those things bounced off me. Like, I recognize names like Skimpole because they were so ridiculous. Roundswell. Like, what, what is that? Bowls. Okay, sure. Right? Like, Turvy Drop, I think, was when Jelly Bee or Jelly Buy. Like, I was like, Jellicle Cats? What? It feel, I was like, it feels, it sounds like cats. It's like, and that's Mr. Mistopheles, and that's... <laughs> Grizabella. Yeah, like these are, I, you know, you said Snorlax, and I was like, no, there is one that's actually really close to Snorlax. I think it's Snagsby, right? Like, yeah, I mean, when I make fun of the names, the names that I make fun of them with are pretty close to the real ones. I just don't know what the real ones are exactly. But yes, Snorlax <laughs> was, I, yeah. I just picture a, a Snorlax and, and so sleeping many, in an alley. And there's so many, uh, these characters that have these very similar sounding names or, or weird sounding names, they're all like the same character. They're these sort of like older gentlemen solicitors that talk and that's like their job. And I, I was so hard to keep everybody straight. Yeah. Give me, give me the, give me the dude with Judy vigorously shaking him every so often. At least I knew who he was. <laughs> um, you know, that's the thing. I, I, you know, the fact that that was funny, though, I, I, I sort of I, I started to talk about this and I sort of lost it. You know, this was supposed to be satire. And I think there's a level where even though it feels very veggie, this is supposed to be funny. And they sort of lose the funny in in being so serious that if they were less serious about it, unless we are doing Charles Dickens here, you know, like um, a little bit like, you know, like like Kenneth Branagh trying to do Shakespeare. Like it's just it's we have to be serious. No, you don't. Yeah. And I feel like like, there's I, said, a- like I said, like Shakespeare, Dickens was not considered at the time like a high like elite literature or anything. And and I mean he is now, but it's sort of I they don't make them like that anymore, and I kind of still wish they did, because I think the BBC would be in better shape if they did, but at the same time, I understand why they don't, and I don't think it's the worst thing that they don't either. Like, I w- can't I have both? Why not <laughs> both? I want, like that commercial, why not both? Um, Budgets, I think, is the answer. Yeah, no, I know that's the answer. <sighs> it's... Because, like I said, so much of the story is just straight melodrama. There's so many, like, ticky-the-box things of of Dickens that pop up here. There's destitute children, shamed women, kids who don't know their parents, like, sad ladies dying, consumption. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's just small like the greatest. Oh, it's like oh. a greatest hits album. Can we talk about how her smallpox star scars? Like this is like it's like what's her face had a ponytail and she's all that. Like there's like oh no, she's so terribly scarred, and then she's got like a zit. Yeah, no, like like I actually was really impressed when they first showed her face after she got better, and I was like oh no, they're really going for this. But then they just were like we did it for that one, we did it for that one episode, and then we were like we're done. Uh, it, no, in each in each succeeding in each succeeding episode, they fade until when you get to the final scene where 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 um where where Jarndyce Jarndyce says to her I, I'm giving you this house this is your bleak house if you actually look she doesn't have any scars whatsoever her face looks beautiful it's just it, they just faded away I, just, I also don't think I would want to live in a building named bleak house that's just me <laughs> but that just feels like asking for it kind of I don't know tempting fate I you don't want to live in a you want to live in a sunny house yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I guess I can dig that. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> even the, I mean, the title is so Dickensian in that way too. It's Bleak House. Like this, this world is so bleak. And I do have to say that, like, when um, I know that, are I I I think again with the with the. I think we're supposed to laugh when Richard Carstone sort of dies because there's no more money left. That when he finally wins and he finds there's no money and he sort of just up and dies after that. I think it's supposed to be kind of funny. I was going to ask you what you thought of the ending. I, I, I this is this is again where like I recognize that this is supposed to be satirical and that and that and that it's a joke that when we finally get to the end, there's no money left and it's all been taken by the lawyers and sucked out, and that's really why the that's really why the case is over. Not because uh, you know, not because uh, Smallweed found a, a random piece of paper in his junk shop, but because there's just no more money to be made from it. Um and and you know like it, it's played so seriously that he collapses and he dies and it's like i think we're not supposed i don't think we're supposed to be sad i don't think dickens wanted us to be sad i think he wanted us to kind of laugh at this idiot who literally was so obsessed that like when the case ended and there was no more money he died because he didn't have any life without the case Right, like I, th- I, I do honestly think there is a level where the show missed the satire, or or didn't want to, or or was so consumed with being serious that it didn't want to play it up. Um, or or is it one of those things where like modern audiences don't get the joke? Do you know what I mean? Like we don't necessarily think it's funny that a dude killed over in court and started coughing up blood. Right, because again, it's also sort of lost on us in the way that Jane Austen satire, because it's about relationships and relationships are timeless. That's not a thing that's ever going to go out of style, right? Like the whole, the whole, the whole ending with Emma is not going to go out of style. The whole, the whole Darcy and and Darcy and Elizabeth is never going to go out of style. It's always going to be funny and touching. Whereas this is no longer, it no longer resonates quite in the right way. Like, there are things about Jarndyce and Jarndyce that, yes, are timeless, but I feel like the satire wasn't. And I feel like that is really lost in this adaptation. And I think just over time, I think I think even if they had played up the satire of it, it still wouldn't read quite properly because it's not something people would, would, would it wouldn't, it, it, it like... To understand satire, you have to understand what it's making fun of, and there's a level where we're just not doing that anymore. I mean, like I said, I had to Google Chancery. <laughs> so, um, what do you think of Esther and her, 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 her? My fiance just dumped me, but also took me to my wedding to another man. Right? Like, I, <laughs> I was like, what a weird little ending that is. But also, it's it's very much forcing a happy ending on it that I don't really remember the book having in that way. I the thing I remember about the end of the book is that basically like everybody is the is is Richard dying and 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 and, and 
and a bunch of like honestly like that's the thing i remember is that the court case ends and he dies like it's i i feel like the show desperately wanted to make sure that there was a happy ending and let's have everyone show up and dance in the fields with the, in their <laughs> finest and i i felt that also felt incredibly old fashioned for an ending in the same way that the jane eyre ending felt extremely old fashioned this felt very old fashioned and I, I again, I just they would not. I don't think an adaptation today would end in that same note, not not like that. I mean, maybe it would. Um, I have no memory of the end of the book, so you could pretty much tell me anything was in it, and I would believe you. But you are, I think, right in the sudden jarringness of the tone shift. And I mean, at that point, we're eight hours into this. You could take ten more minutes. <laughs> like we're in it now. No. Like, you know, no, at least like let, make that. Let's go on holiday real quick. We'll leave tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'd say, I don't know. It felt really weird. And I'm just like, no man is that selfless. <laughs> uh, I, I, plus, I just like really rooted for poor Mr. John Dice, who clearly like I, you know, I think it's obvious that he like loves her from the first episode. And then it got really weird where he's like, I loved you when you were a child. And I was like, this is really weird and uncomfortable yeah please stop talking yeah like there's definitely a level where they they also even if the book hadn't ended like it's like they suddenly have to make because he's obviously like uh you know he's he's kind he loves her he's this big house he's relatively successful like he is on paper like a great match but i guess we have to make him look worse so she will marry the ship's doctor i don't know the the thing that i the thing i i'm i'm trying to remember i'm pretty sure he breaks up with her much earlier that he breaks up with her before the court case ends in the book and she's already engaged to wood court by the time the 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 court case ends but i'm I'm not sure i may be misremembering but i really at least slightly better right like this is really like i really felt like that ending was was created to make sure that and we all lived happily ever after and we got the like really like suddenly her face is smallpox mark free Mm -hmm. like her hair has got flowers in it it's the sun has appeared from somewhere yeah like, like 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 let's we need to end we need to have a happy ending on a on a show called Bleak House. Well, well that's not really a show that's supposed to have a, it doesn't like I just don't I I it is it, it's deliberate and it's pastoral and it didn't fit the rest of the tone of the show to me. But I mean also that's the sort of thing again in the same way they don't make them like that anymore like Jane Austen Jane sorry Jane Austen Jane Eyre has this same sort of pastoral ending in the same sort of way like this is this is how we have a happy ending in this era of well, shows. I wonder too I wonder too if like just sort of like TV has a as a genre not even just like as a Dickens adaptation or a literary adaptation had not yet realized that there were things that were possible that were not binary endings do you know what I mean? Where like endings could have some degree of nuance or or like it didn't have to go entirely one way or the other. Like we could have something in the middle and that can still be OK. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, this was 2005. We were we we weren't that backward back then. We weren't. I don't know. It feels like a long time ago. It does feel like a long time ago. And the 90s were a different time. I know. But I, I don't think so. I think I think it's deliberate that, that, it, that there was a feeling that, that a period piece like this, in order to be the serious thing that it 
that they were doing that this is how it had to it had to end happily in or or audiences wouldn't buy it like and 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 you've eaten your vegetables here's your pretty dessert (laughs) oh my bleak house um don't think that's going on my list of of favorite dickens adaptations do you have a favorite do you have a favorite Dickens adaptations? Like, should we put something else on the list or uh, roll back around to Dickens? Will, will you promise not to laugh at me if I tell you that it's a Muppet Christmas Carol? No, Greg loves it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. It's Greg's whole family fa- does, actually. It's my favorite Michael Caine performance of all time. Like, uh, I've definitely watched it more than one time with Greg's relatives. I, I, yeah. I think it's, fi- I think it's fine. I am a diehard like great Muppet caper Muppets. Oh no, great Muppet, great Muppet caper is the best of the Hensons. End of list. But of the ones that they made after Henson died, of you know, like the the Muppet Pirates and all that other one, the one, the one for me is always the Muppet Christmas Carol. But of the three Hensons of a Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan, Great Muppet Caper forever because Diana Rigg literally turns to the camera and says, oh, it's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. Uh, my friends and I used to use that as like a, like just to say that all the time. <laughs> do I have a favorite piece of Dickens? Let me think. Well, I do love the musical Oliver. Mm. Um, it's got great songs, uh, which is kind of funny when you consider the source material. But uh, Team Nancy forever. Die Bill Sykes. Um, <laughs> what else? I've I don't know. I have such a like love hate relationship with Great Expectations. Like there are pieces of all the various Great Expectations, including one where Gillian Anderson is Miss Havisham, that I enjoy. But I don't know that I feel like anything is really nailed. Great Expectations for me. Mm. I yeah. Like if I were to like try and come up with like a serious answer to this, um, you know. No, I think Muppet Christmas Carol can be a serious answer. I mean, it it really is like of of all the Christmas carols, and there are a lot of Christmas. There are a carols, lot of Christmas carols, right? Like that really is because it's so silly and it's so fun, and it's you know, let's just which be honestly fun. like which is well, yes, but this is but that's because they embrace it with that spirit. If you look at the Dickens story, it's literally ghosts jangling chains. <laughs> And like skulls and things like we've just chosen to make it fun. Like we could make other things fun, too. Um, I also have always had a soft spot for the mystery of Edwin Drood. Um, though that's Ooh, another another musical that that is not a that. But that's not a TV. There's not a TV. Well, there might be a movie. What is it, uh, what is we the did thing it with when making? Was, yeah. What is the thing with making musicals out of Dickens? Yeah, I um, I, I, I just love the stage show. So, uh. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to think if there is an actual like movie adaptation or a TV adaptation of Dickens that I genuinely love. And I'm not really, yeah, I'm not really coming up with one that really like has just sold it for me in that way. Like there's always something about it that that doesn't quite work or is trying to be too serious or or doesn't nail it properly. Yeah. The musical Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> you you know that the reality show I'd do anything which was uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber casting the musical Oliver is how Jesse Buckley got discovered right she won that show that's where she came from I did not know that I was I was Nancy in our in our eighth grade Oliver yeah, she- which like when you think about it really we're like in middle school doing this play where a woman gets straight murdered on stage <laughs> I had to roll out of the way so somebody could like hit a sack of 
I don't know, flower or something. Yeah, like that. Uh, she, yeah, she basically she won the reality show in the part of Nancy um, in the West End revival, and that's how she started her career. So there, there's your <sighs> th- there, there's your random there. piece of uh, trivia for today. <laughs> and that is that for this edition of Classics Revisited. If you have uh, a air quotes classic, I think our I think our definition of classic is fairly flexible. If you make a good case for it, and we feel like watching it. Uh, let us know at televisions at weta.org. Uh, we did we did the one I wanted to do, which was North and South. So I guess we can do ones that other people want to do for a while. I, I eventually want to do the Lord Peter Whimsies or at least Gaudy Night with uh, Harriet Walter, but they're not on streaming. So um, it's a problem. Oh, yeah. Please like try to please try to wreck us things that are easily easily findable. Yeah. Like I can't I cannot <laughs> I, I literally cannot do that one because it is not on streaming and um I cannot make her watch a mis- I cannot make her understand how much I how much Harriet Walter like imprinted on me in my teenage years in that show until like somebody puts it on streaming. So somebody get on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, so yes, yeah, send us your suggestions of things that we should watch and we will see. We're get, we're trying to do like I think at least one a quarter because it's mm-hmm. fun. Um, so let us know what you think, what we should watch, old stuff, fairly, you know, newish, recently old stuff. <laughs> Not like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have it in me to do like Jewel in the Crown again, but maybe. Or, or, or Brideshead. Like I feel like brides, oh, like OG bride, OG, OG brideshead. No, no, like OG brideshead. Like not, 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 um, not the not Lady Mary's uh, second husband brideshead, but the original, like, like that, like Jeremy Irons. Yeah, so hot. I think they just, re- I think they literally did just put that out in they like four K. They, they so put it. We might out actually on, have they, to do that one, but yeah, it's on Britbox. I do love Jeremy Irons, so maybe we will do that. Anyway, we'll see. Anyway, I can keep speculating about this for a while, but it's not that interesting for anyone else. So, Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy, not-so-well-behaved cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Um, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. I'm currently recapping the Gilded Age on a weekly basis over at AV Club. So, you know, just follow me on Twitter, and I basically retweet all my bylines there, so that's how you know what I wrote this week. Huzzah! Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I, like Annie, write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I, too, always tweet my byline. So just come be my friend and you can play with me about whatever. Uh, the cats, if you just want their cuteness, are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. If you don't want any of that and just want the British stuff, the site and the pod are on social media. At Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. Uh, if you like what we do, we are a product of WETA, and you can find us at televisions.org. And click on the donate button up top to help support us in our mission to spend all of our time talking about British stuff. Uh, yeah. You can also get access to PBS Passport that way as well, which will let you watch things before they air, which may or may not be more appealing to you than listen to us listening to us talk. Uh, exciting news. At the beginning of this year, we are now on youtube as well so you can listen to our podcast there we are weta pbs on youtube and it's i don't know apparently how the kids listen to stuff nowadays so hi kids if you're listening i guess Uh, i thought they were on tiktok i don't know i'm old (laughs) 
I don't, I don't know. I use a podcast app. But anyway, we are grateful for whatever way you choose to listen and hope that you will keep doing it and tell all your friends that they should do it too. And maybe leave us some ratings on the podcast app of your choice. That would be great. Uh, like I said, we're at televisions at weta.org if you have thoughts, requests, feedback, or just want me to shut up. But please say it nicely if it's that latter bit. And as we head into another cold and horrible month, it's literally like 20, 20 degrees outside my house right now, and I'm not about this life. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Buy some COVID tests. Upgrade your mask game. Wear that mask in crowded spaces. Get boosted. Get vaccinated. And let's just do the best we can. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.